and welcome back to the evolving fighter we are in episode two don't have a name for this episode we're going to call this one the evolution all right so we are in episode two of this podcast today we're going to be talking about a couple of things we're going to be talking about ufc fight night that happened uh overeem versus volkov we are also going to talk about my evolution as a person and then also we're going to talk about the evolution of my training um a little bit so Got a good couple of things to talk about. We're going to start off with UFC Fight Night. Volkov versus Overeem. Now, that was a beautiful card for the most part. Um, I wouldn't say for the most part. To be honest, it was like a little bit lackluster. Like, you know, I'm trying to be polite, I guess. I don't fucking know. But it was a decent card. In the beginning, I was kind of falling asleep. I'm not going to lie. But um, toward the end, it started getting a little bit more interesting, a little bit better. The first fight came out. um, That one was great um we had what was it called this guy named ode osborne and he was coming back off of like a you know a a little bit of a layoff and he was fighting in a fight card that was not a fight card but a he's fighting in a weight class that was too above the one he wanted to fight in so he's fighting at 145 he wants to be a 25er and this dude came out poof because um, it was short notice, the you know change of opponents and stuff. He came out, shoulder rolled a head kick, right? If you don't know what shoulder rolling is, is pretty much you're in your fighting stance, someone throws something, and you use your shoulder to kind of roll backwards to kind of just let that thing kind of bounce off of you, right? So if you see, it happens a lot in boxing, you'll see people shoulder roll punches. So he shoulder rolled, rolled a head kick, came back with the left cross, dropped him, jumped on him, beat him up, and ended up finishing that was the first fight of the night so he coming back off like i think it was like a two-year layoff man that's a hell of a way to come back to be honest like that was that was first fight of the night too so he he started off really well so that was a good fight for him cool dude you know uh he's also a teacher which is very interesting so if you guys don't know there's not a lot a lot a lot a lot of money in professional mixed martial arts when you first start off right so those guys some of the guys who are like in the preliminary cards or the first starting fights they're not going to get paid so 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 much money so sometimes they they still have to have other streams of revenue right so he he, him, he he's a teacher as well which is really awesome too um now i don't know if he does it because of the money or he because if he loves to teach you know some people have second jobs because they like it and some people have second jobs because they need it right my goal when i get into fighting is to be able to have if I have a second job, it's because I want to have more streams of income, not because I want, to, because I need to, you know? One of the worst things you can do is having to make decisions when you're desperate, right? So there's actually something one of my old wrestling coaches used to tell me, uh, shout out to Jason Kelly, he used to say, oh, like, don't, don't do things because you're desperate, that's where you make mistakes. So it's the same thing, I think, not even in just fighting, but also in life, right? You make certain decisions when you're desperate, those, you're not really thinking clearly, you're not really making the best decisions, and you're not doing things to your you know 100% capability of what you can actually do right so that's why some fighters have to have extra jobs or you know whatnot but I would love to have the ability to not have to make desperate decisions when I get you know into the UFC or whatever organization I get into you know I want to be able to make decisions because it's better for my career not because it's better for my you know bank account I want to be able to have a steady um other you know streams of revenue that are going to help me and allow me to kind of do what i want with my career and be more freely with it um so that was definitely a standout fight next fight of the night was uh tamir valia versus martin day um that was a really good fight to to more to whatever i don't know how you say his name um that guy was a beast 
he fight he fought at 45 he usually fights at 35 actually um so him going into 45 and wrestling for three straight rounds striking looking very good looking very polished um he actually lost his ufc debut he got uh dropped and i think he got finished in a tko but they called it a no contest because the guy um tested positive for some stuff after so they called it a no contest but he he's, he's definitely a super talented guy i'm looking forward to his rise so he'll be a bantamweight looking in the 35ers um but he you know he went up a weight class and if when you can go up a weight class and still out wrestle these guys showing that you're that strong you're going back down to your regular weight class is gonna be scary so he's tamir tamir valiev he's a guy to look out for for sure um a couple other fights really not that interesting I was looking forward to my dog, Devontae Smith, coming back. He had a fighter pull out last minute, and the guy had to jump in. You know, another guy, his name is Justin Janes. He jumped in the week of, I believe. And, you know, Devontae cleaned him pretty well. He was looking a little shaky. He came back from, I think, uh, it was either ACL surgery or Achilles, one of the other two. So he's out for, like, two years. So him coming back, he's a very hard-hitting, beautiful boxer. And I was excited to see him come back, and he did. And he went in there, he did some work, and he came out with the TK in the second round. Um, the guy came up, and his eye was so swollen. You've probably seen it if you pay attention to any of the UFC posts that they put up. The guy was eye so swollen shut, so they called it a TKO because he could not see out of that eye. So he was done. Um, but that was the preliminary fights. Pretty good, yeah, pretty decent. You know, there's some good fights. To be honest, most of them were kind of boring. Um, I did fall asleep at one point for some of the for like one or two fights and um you know shit happens you know uh let's move on to the main card we'll just talk about really briefly just some of the cool fights that i thought I, that were pretty good uh light heavyweight the first fight of the night um danilo marquez versus mike rodriguez mike rodriguez is a uh pretty talented striker but you got those wrestlers man this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy came in danilo marquez took him down wore on him and ended up finishing him with a rear naked choke in the second round. Very good jujitsu, very good grappling, very good top pressure. Um, he's got to look out in the 205 division. Next fight, lightweight. Whew, that was a good fight. Um, uh, Diego Ferreira versus Benil Daryush. It was a three-round war. These dudes were throwing leather the whole entire time. They were doing some some fucking work, man. I love seeing that shit. Um, but you know, they were both mixing up in the ground, and Benil Daryush. And um, Ferreira, they're both jiu-jitsu specialists, so it was interesting to see them throwing hands. But Benil mixed it up a little bit more, taking down, putting some pressure on top. Even knowing how big of a, a submission threat Ferreira is on the ground, you know, he had confidence in his own jiu-jitsu, right? That's one of the things sometimes some people are not confident enough in their own skills, so they will actually, you know... So if you, a lot of times you see two grapplers go against each other, and they'll actually just strike the whole entire time, right? If you guys watch Kamara Usman versus... Um, Kobe Covington, right? Both of these guys are known for their outstanding grappling skills. And then you saw both of these dudes come out here and strike for 25 minutes. Um, so, you know, some a lot of times that happens where you have one, um, two guys who are very good in uh, one thing and they'll cancel each other out. Most of the time it happens with uh, grapplers. Um, with strikers, you'll usually see them strike it out. One of the one of them might uh, bail out because he's not really winning that fight and he might take it to the ground. But most of the time you'll see them strike it out. But grapplers, a lot of times you'll see that. Uh, so it was very interesting to see one grappler saying, hey, I know how good my grappling is. I'm going to take you down and I'm going to still I'm going to still show you out. You know, so I love that shit. That's that shows that confidence in your skill set. You know, um, war. Benil took it home. The takedowns in the, in the ground control and good ground and pound on top took it home for him. So he did a great job with that. You know, um, moving on flyweights. That was a eh, kind of boring fight. Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida. That was a good one. 
uh, two veterans in the sport. Michael Johnson, I think he was like two fight skid. So he really kind of needed that win. And I think Clay Guida was on a little bit of a skid as well. So both of them really needed that win. Clay Guida, Clay Guida came out. His wrestling and his overhand rights did the job for him. And, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he's too old, <laughs> to be honest. I think he sh- really shouldn't be fighting anymore. Um, he's been fighting a lot of veterans. He's still been losing, but you put him against some of these younger guys. I don't. I don't think he'll be. He has what it takes to keep. You know, staying in there with these guys. You know, because they're gonna get more athletic, stronger, faster. And his his game has not changed or evolved so much that he's showing me something that's making me think that he's gonna be at another level. So, but you know, who am I to say what someone should do? I'm not them. So if he wants to continue fighting, go for it, man. Stay healthy. You know. Hopefully everything works out for my brother over there. Um, sorry for Michael Johnson. I love Michael Johnson, man. He's he just has a rough time sometimes, man. Uh, it's unfortunate for him. I think that's three fights in a row he lost, and he was even saying before the fight, he's like, "Hey, I'm fighting for my job right here, bro." So sad to see him lose, but it is what it is. Um, but up, up, bum. Let's see, let's see. We had Corey Sanhagen versus Frankie Edgar. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. Twenty eight seconds, flying knee. Right, Frankie Edgar came out hard, hard, hard with pressure, and you had my man Corey moving around, moving around, light on his toes, and then he just jumped, pulled his head into it, bam, flying knee. Frankie Edgar went stiff, cold, knocked the fuck out. It was it was hard to see because you know Frankie Edgar is a fighter's fighter. Everybody loves Frankie Edgar, so to see him get knocked out like that was pretty sad. But you know, um, this is the kind of sport we are in, man. That's that's what we do. So Corey Sanhagen put on a beautiful performance. And I'm excited to see him probably fight for the title after Jan and Sterling fight for it. That's that's what I'm excited to see. So hopefully we'll we'll see him chill. Unless he wants to fight, if he fight, if he fights again, it should be against T.J. Dillashaw. That's the only person that would make more sense for him to fight again. Other than that, I think he should wait for his title shot because, um, you know, he just beat like two of the top guys in the division after losing to the other top guy in the division. So Jan and Sterling go battle it out, and the winner of that they should fight Corey Sandhagen for for a title. He deserves it. My man's put in some work, had some great finishes, and um, put out two top 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 level guys. So he's definitely next for that shot. And then the main event, Alistair Overeem versus um, Alexander Volkov. If you ever watch Overeem fight, you notice he has a very bad habit of shelling up a little too much when it comes to someone flirting. A uh, little bit used to that kickboxing uh, type of style of fighting, especially because he's a Dutch kickboxer. Um, so he gets he, he shells up a lot, and Volkov was clean, precise, long, and put some work on him. Over him couldn't really close the distance too well, or uh, couldn't take him down. He clinched a little bit, but nothing too spectacular. Uh, so it was it was a great fight. Volkov took him out in the second round, TKL. He he just put too much too much striking on him, and it was too good. Sad to see, because Overeem was saying that this was his last run at the title. If he would lose, he would retire. So I, I didn't see anything. I don't know if I looked, to be honest, to see if he was going to retire. But um, he probably will after this. You know, I, I think it's time. He's had a long-ass career. He's, I think he's 40. I think he is 40. So he's, my man has, has definitely put in a lot of work. So it's time for him to hang up those gloves. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. And everything he's put into this fight... Um, into his whole entire fight career, you know, he definitely, uh, he has nothing to prove anymore. He's done it all. Not, I don't think he has anything else to prove. So, yeah, he's he is 40 years old. Jesus, he'll be turning 41 this year. That was an old man fighting in the UFC. But 
if you look at a lot of other professional sports, right, you don't see these guys playing or doing this until this age, right? Like Daniel Cormier was a champion at 40 or 39, 39. Stipe's like 37. By the time people hit like 35 in the NFL or whatever, people are already telling them to go quit, you know? Uh, like, oh, you're old. Look at Tom Brady. How old is Tom Brady? And that dude's still going, right? There are certain people, but you don't see it as often in the um, in those other sports. Uh, you see it, you know, Tom Brady's 43. You see it more in MMA that you see guys, you know, still doing this sport and everything at an older age. Um, but yeah, man, good fights, good fights, decent fights. No, I won't say good. Decent fights. I was hoping for a little bit more finishes and stuff like that, but you know, it is what it is. And I always watch fights every single time they come on because there's always something to learn. I'm a student of the game and I'm trying to grow every single time. So every single day I can. That's why I watch the fights every single time they come on is because I want there is always something to learn from watching these fights. And that's what I try to do every single day is evolve and become a better fighter. You know, so I'm always watching fights. I always think it's good. It's film study, man. You know, you look at the teams, they film study, they study different teams before they play them, whether it's football, basketball. I study all the fights to learn what I can do and, you know, get better at. All right, so we're done with the fights right now. Let's go ahead and talk about the evolution of my training. All right, so the evolution of my training is an interesting thing because I'm just going to talk about pretty much about how, what I started with, how it eventually got to where it is, and how my team evolved to becoming more MMA-oriented, right? So I started off, you know, my first real com like I, I was doing sparring and stuff when I was younger. I did some tournaments, but my first full contact uh, fight was in Sanxiao. So if you don't know Sanxiao, Chinese kickboxing, it's pretty much kickboxing with clinch and takedowns. So you have takedowns like as in wrestling, I could do a double leg, whatever, I could lift them up, throw them down. So we had that little mix in there, right? So I did Sanxiao 15, first tournament. I won, uh, I think it was like third round or third or second round tko i won by that was amazing super awesome experience but you know that's trading just hands and takedowns right we shot we learned how to sprawl we learned how to everything defend takedowns all that stuff so that's where we started off we always had jujitsu in the school um we didn't do gi we were just doing regular no gi jujitsu working with um you know our instructors that were here as time went on you know still always working sancho sancho was always the thing we worked and then Eventually, we got a black belt in here for jujitsu. They helped with us. We worked a little bit with them, and then we ended up um, getting another black belt. Who John Sifu, who owns the school that I work at and train at every day, uh, he brought in another black belt named Mario. He was the one who is still with us currently, and he's the one who really you know stepped up our game jujitsu wise. Right, so. All this time, while this was there, we know we never did MMA. We were always doing everything separately. We do jiu-jitsu competitions, or we would do Sanchao competitions. We never put them together, right? Mo, my brother, was the first one to do MMA, at least from our school, right? Like Tamer was one of our one of my other um, instructors when I was younger. Uh, he was doing a lot of training for MMA, but he was doing that more with American Top Team. So for us, still strictly here, it was Sanchao separately, jiu-jitsu separately. And then Mo was the first one who was, you know, took that leap for us and did MMA. And when he did MMA, it was a lot of just what we got here is what we're going to work with. You know, we didn't do he didn't do any cage work. He didn't learn any cage work before he got into his first fight or his second fight. So Mo was kind of he was our little crash test dummy, to be honest, going out there and really feeling out the waters and seeing what needed to be learned and what needed to evolve. Right. And honestly, me being um oh obviously me 
uh, doing a lot of things that my brother does. I wanted to do MMA as well. So when I jumped in there, we we got a coach who Sifu was like, I need to bring someone in here specifically for you guys for MMA, right? Someone who knows MMA and is going to teach you MMA, not just striking or this, this, and that. So that's when Eric came in, right? And it was just me and me, Mo and Eric. You know, those we were the only three people working on that MMA stuff. So I didn't have like a bunch of training partners or whatnot. Some days in jujitsu, we might have like a bigger guy go on me just so I could work a little bit of stuff like that. But everything that was MMA related was working with Eric, right? And then we try we tried to adapt ourselves a little bit more in some of the other classes, like jujitsu and striking. We tried to just think a little bit more MMA oriented. And, you know, certain times we'd have sparring in that class. We would, you know, do MMA sparring with just me and Mo and maybe some of the other guys who maybe a little bit more higher level. But, you know, a lot of them didn't do MMA either, right? So it was mostly just Mo and myself practicing on each other when it came to MMA. You know, we had a little help from some people, but you're talking about strictly MMA. It was, it was my brother and myself really getting that work in. After I lost that first fight, I went back into doing just striking so I can get more comfortable on my feet and then just get more comfortable getting back into the competition sense. And then after that, it was, all right, now we want to get back to MMA, but we got to make sure we do this properly, right? So after that, we started really focusing on working on all the individual aspects. So, you know, one of the things we knew is we needed to get better at takedown defense. We were working on that a lot because in that first fight, all I did was get taken down, taken down, taken down, right? So that was annoying. And obviously, they don't want to strike with me because I'm too good on the feet, man. They don't want none of it. Um, I have yet to have someone who wants to stand up and fight with me. Everyone always wants to take me down because they know they cannot handle my striking. And that's just period. That's it. Um, so my second, my second MMA fight, we did more work with actual um, specifics of MMA. So we were working more cage work, more get-ups, you know, not just everything separately it was more putting things a little bit more together right but we were still to be honest we were still practicing stuff more separately we were just actually in some other training sessions we we're putting stuff together just a little bit better um so and th this is the thing right like we were a team that was a striking team right we were just strikers and we wanted to evolve our game so it's it, it's it's not like overnight we just became an mma team like it is this took time to build right so it's just me and mo and then eventually we started working a little bit more. And then David joined us, David Camacho, uh, one of my uh, good friends and one of my teammates and training partners and colleagues, work colleagues, right? So he joined us and David has some wrestling experience. So he helped us a little bit with some wrestling stuff sometimes. And that gave us a little bit of an edge because, you know, we didn't have a straight wrestling coach or anything at that, t at that point in time, right? So at that point in time, right, my second MMA fight, we were working, it was just Eric, um, John and then Mo, myself and David we were working so time went on and I think toward my third MMA fight right it was you know I, I always train by myself and I always try to do extra training practices when I can um, so I'm not always just with the team right I do stuff with myself and then I think during that camp no not that camp not yet not yet we didn't get individual wrestling practices yet so we kept training kept training kept training right just with Eric and Sifu Kept working. That second fight, I won, but I still got taken down a lot. So we were like, all right, we still need to get some type of work in there. We need to get better at this, right? So then, what, third MMA fight. Um, that was the first fight Eric ever cornered me for. Um, I'll go more into detail on my fights on another episode. I'm just kind of going over the evolution of our training, right? So for my third MMA fight, it was still kind of the same thing, right? It was Eric Sifu, me, um, 
David, and Mo. It was us working, right? We're going out here. We're just trying to train. It's three of us. Neither one of us are in the same weight class, right? So I'm one. I, at that point, at that third fight, I was 165. Mo was fighting 45. David was fighting 35. So all of us were at different weight classes. Um, so that, that was a tough thing too, right? We had small group, small group. Um, so we were working, we were training and we were doing the same things, right? Still same things, still the same things. After my third fight, when we're going into my fourth fight, this is when we started changing things up a little bit. So we got, um, we had a wrestling coach eventually come in, Jason Kelly. He came and helped us out for a little bit. Um, his whole thing was that he, um, you know, he traveled so much that we never really got, we never had a steady, like every single week we're going to have this wrestling coach. It was kind of like, oh, when he was in town, we would work with him, right? And then around this time, we're going into my fourth MMA fight. This is also when we um, added in our good friend, um, Joey Yeshua. He came in and he became an addition to our team during my fourth MMA fight. So he came in there. That's now we got four people on our team. We got someone who's a 45er now. So now we got Mo has another training partner, but we also have someone who's strong, a different look. So that was a good thing for our team. When Joey came in, then we started working wall work where we had like someone who came in. We had Yuri Velfort, who is a uh, former, um, I think he, he fought in the UFC, fought in Bellator, fought in a lot of the big promotions. And he came in there and he helped us out uh, with our cage work. Now, after that, you know, he came in for a good couple of weeks. Um, he helped me for the majority of that camp. And then after that, you know, he didn't really come in after that. And then that's when, I think after my fourth fight, um, during and after my fourth fight was when we really started to change. We started to do MMA, like, I think to the best, of, not to the best of the ability, but we were starting to become a real MMA camp. Like, we started doing everything MMA oriented. It wasn't just this, this, that, that, that the way we used to train, we, we changed everything and we really worked hard on trying to make sure this is MMA oriented. Hey, take out the big gloves, put on the small gloves for these drills. Hey, make sure that this is our, when I just work straight jujitsu, how is this going to work into MMA? And that was one of our bigger problems. I think in the beginning was us trying to find a good balance for our team and how we were going to train. Cause we were doing a lot of individually broken up things and not putting everything together. So during that, during my fourth training camp, when we started having some more team practices and that's when I started running practices myself with the team and we started doing, you know, a little bit more MMA oriented stuff. Right. And then we had, you know, a coach work out with his cage work and stuff like that. And we still had Jason coming in every once in a while to help us wrestling. So that was that was the change around my fourth fourth fight. MMA was when we started really getting into MMA oriented stuff for training. And then after my fourth fight, going into my fifth fight, that is when, like, you know, that transition. So for my fourth to my fifth fight, that's when we started really doing it. That's when we, everything changed. We did, we, everything was MMA oriented. Every single thing that we did was MMA oriented, right? I did not, any training session, even if it was wrestling, it was wrestling for MMA. It was this for MMA. It was whatever for MMA, right? So instead of just striking to strike, it was striking for MMA. So for wrestling to wrestle, we wrestled for MMA. So for jujitsu, for jujitsu, jujitsu for MMA. And that was the biggest change in our team. And that's when I think we got a lot better as, as fighters is when we changed that type of, um, that type of training. Right. And it was difficult because it was kind of a self-taught thing for us a little bit to kind of realize what we needed to do. And, um, and as a small team, right, we don't have this big gym with a bunch of guys, with a bunch of guys who've been court, like, you know, we have guys who are experienced, but, at the, you know, 
when we had training sessions, that's us putting together our own training sessions. I'm like, hey, guys, we're working on Monday. We're working on this day. Let's get this work in. Let's do this, right? So that was us working together to figure those things out. And, you know, not a lot of people have to do that. They don't have to worry about that stuff for themselves. We had to because, you know, we're a small team. We don't have everything, everything everybody else has. So it took us some time, but we eventually put it together where we put a good system together where we worked as a team. to get in everything that we needed to get in right whether it was um whether we were working on you know mma whether we were working on striking wrestling whatever it was we made sure that we got in as a team and we did it for mma so i think that that was the biggest change for us and once we did that you know it really it really put us in a different light and i think we all gained so much more experience in and it also shows us how to build a team, right? Like, we started from the ground up. We, we didn't just join a big-ass team. We started from ground up. We built our team up. And then during my last camp, that's when we brought in Joe. Um, Joe Watson, who is our wrestling coach now. And that was a consistent one. He came in every single week. And we were wrestling, 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 wrestling. You know? And now we our set training schedule is, is, like, is like airtight right now, to be honest. You know, and I'm, I'm proud of us for being able to, as a team, slowly build ourselves up from just a striking team to a MMA team. And it's not an easy thing. Like, you see all these guys, like, American Top Team. You know how long these people have been at this? How long it's taken them to build up the systems that they have and everything they did? You know, we're still learning. We're still making, making shit up as we go, right? You know, uh... Like I run a lot of the I run the practices that we do with the team with just without any coaches and I, you know, so it, it feels not I don't have pressure on me but you know I'm I'm the one who's like all right guys like you know we have practice I'm like okay this is what we're going to do, so for me it's like Daniel what are you learning every single day and what are you looking and researching to make sure we have something to work on, right I don't you know we go in there and it's like all right what are we doing Daniel no shit I gotta figure out what we gotta do. Um, and it, it, it took some time. Like, I, I always had something for us to do. Um, but at, at a point in time, I was kind of just like, you know, what is my role? Like, am I like the team captain or what? But, you know, um, at the end of the day, it was just, hey, who is going to figure out what we're going to do every day when we train? When we do these training practices, with just us, right? So it's two times a week where it's our team practice without any of our coaches, right? So I run those practices and I just come up with what we need to do and we work on it. And... It, it helps me because, like, you know, when you teach, you learn. But also because I, I pick out things that I need to work on that we need to work on as a team. But then, you know, whoever's fighting, maybe they need to do something specific oriented toward their fight. And I've picked that that we need to do. And I think it's good that we have that because it's not, you know, when we go into training camps, right, they pick out what we do for a lot of things. But I think it's good that we have, like, a, you know, a, a fighter-led training session because we know specifically what we need to do a little bit more sometimes um, we're not just looking at the overview. We're looking at, you know, more minute details on, hey, what exactly do we need to do? And then I can switch it up when needed, right? If we need to work a little bit more cage, we need to work a little more ground for this to that. But everything, you know, um, I, I to be honest, I'm, I'm proud of myself for what I can do for our team and how I, um, you know, how I feel that I help us as a team get better and get stronger, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, you know, the evolution of our team, right? It took us a while. We added some new pieces in this last camp. We added in Arthur, 
who is a new training partner who we're trying to build up. You know, he came from another school and we we had to build them up, you know, like everybody who comes with us, we build them up and we make them better. So we get better at the same time. Right. If 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 Arthur doesn't get better, I don't get better. If Joey doesn't get better, I don't get better. If Mo doesn't get better, I don't get better. If David doesn't get better, I don't get better. My training partners have to get better for me to get better. If they don't get better, I don't have anybody who is going to be able to challenge me. That's just plain and simple. Right. Um, so if I'm trying to hold anybody back, if I'm trying to put anybody down, that is not going to facilitate good learning for me or good training for me. So yeah, man, that, that was the evolution of our training. Now, the evolution of Daniel Morrison, the man, the myth, the legend, the person. Um, I myself as a person, I, I want to talk about pretty much how how fighting has made me evolve as a person, how training and everything made me evolve as a person, right? So everyone says when you're younger, right, the biggest change as you as a person is going to happen when you go to college. I went to college. Ain't shit changed for me, right? Because I, I, I pretty much kept to myself very... I went in there, I did my schoolwork, and I left. I went home. That's that's all I did. Go there. Go to your classes. Go home. For me, to be honest, if I would have went to school straight through like that, I wouldn't have changed for jack shit. You know, I'm not going to parties on campus. I'm not doing any of this shit. I'm just kind of going there, do my stuff, leave, go to work, go home, chill with my friends that I, you know, I've known for a long time. And that's That's it, you know? So for me, it was like... I was waiting, to be honest, because I was, I was waiting for that change, right? I was waiting for that change. And because, um, you know, one of the things was like my, my girlfriend at the time, right, who's now my ex, was we were talking about, all right, you know, me, I'm a very in the future type of person. I think about the future. So I was already planning for us in the future. But the whole thing, one of the things we said was like, we're either going to grow together or we're going to grow apart. And that's, that's one of the things. So I was waiting for college to change me, right? About two years in. Eh, you know, nothing was really doing nothing. It wasn't until I hit fighting and that, that changed me as a person, right? I, I had to, because you can't just be some lackadaisical, like, couch potato and do this shit. You can't just do this half-ass. You can't do this casually. This is a fucking sport that's fucking grueling. And if you do anything half-ass, you're going to get fucking hurt. So for me, that was my change. That was my change, my shift as a person. I took on so much more responsibility for my life and everything that I ha- I was responsible for. You know, I wasn't just thinking about how so-and-so was going to help me get here or this or that. You know, it was me thinking, hey, how am I going to get myself to where I needed to be? And it made me realize on how much I have to rely on myself for things and how much I have to put myself and make myself accountable for just my life, right? I can't really bank on anybody else for anything you know um because what's it called yeah i can't really bank on anybody else for anything right i have to do everything myself not everything but that was kind of the mindset i had and i became a much more responsible more mature more um intelligent person when i made that switch when i quit my job at journeys worked at john Wayne martial arts and i started fighting for me that was like hey this is that's not the same daniel that he was before you know, like that, that man has grown. And it, just that, that man, I, I think that was my transition from a boy to a man, to be honest, 100%. Like it was when I quit journeys, I started my training sessions and decided that I'm going to change my life, you know? Um, so it was, um, it was very interesting because 
when you change as a person, you see who evolves with you or who changes with you. So that was one of the things for myself and my ex. I evolved. She did not. And that's where the rift became between us. Right. So but it was for the best. You know, I needed I needed to be in a different place with a different person. So everything happens for a reason. So exactly. That was that was what needed to happen. But um, yeah, as a person, I think the main thing that for me was just my ability to make better decisions for myself, for myself, to for me to plan things out better and to really have something I cared so much about that I was willing to risk everything and willing to um, make sure I did it 100%. And th- that ethic from being a child and, le- and doing martial arts, that work ethic, you you carry that your whole entire life, which I think martial arts is one of the most important things um, that people should learn, whether it's martial arts or any, any type of thing that's going to teach you how to grind and how to um, put in that hard work. And that is what martial arts did for me. And I was able to transfer that into my life and back into martial arts again, because that's where I ended up, you know? So um, yeah, man, martial arts has changed my life, changed me as a person. I had to give up things and change the way I acted and change the way I behaved, you know, um, because, you know, you can't just go out with your friends every night now that you have some, you have a goal that you're trying to do, right? You can't just hang out and do all this shit. And I was never like a really big party or anything. I just hung out with my friends a lot, you know, beforehand. But when you got, you got things you got to do, you have to prioritize things. And I learned how to prioritize the, the things that were more important. And at that time, that ex-girlfriend wasn't my priority. My priority was martial arts and becoming an MMA fighter. And it still is to this day. And, you know, it's it's weird. Because I, th- I think about it now as myself, like right now, like how I've changed so much as a person. But sometimes, like, it's hard to see every single little change. Um, but, you know, you, you listen to it from other people too, right? Like. When I when my fucking friend told me I inspired him, that shit fucking had me like, damn, like, really I inspired you? Like shit, you inspired me, bro. Like <sighs> Yeah, man, but fighting, martial arts, becoming a fighter, that that changed me as a person to the person I am into, I I am today. And I think it was, it was, it was the best decision I ever made was quitting journeys, joining John Wayne Martial Arts and getting back and and chasing my fucking dream, bro. Like I I fucking hate when people um don't don't give you that encouragement to go chase after what you want. And that was one of the biggest things for me. After I quit school, like it was like Daniel, what the fuck do you want to do? How are you gonna do it? And do what you want to do, man. Fuck all that other shit. They want you to go to college. They want you to do all this shit. You don't want to do that. You want to be a fighter, and you have to go do that. And for me, that's taking control of my life. And at that point, that was one of the things that made me realize how much control I have over my life and how much control people don't have over me for shit, right? Like, I love my parents, but at the end of the day, they can't control me, you know? I love my parents to death, and they've taught me everything that I needed to do. Not They, they still teach me to this day, but they, they've given me all the tools that I needed to make the decisions that I make day in and day out, right? Without them, I wouldn't have been able to make these decisions and be confident in my decisions and make good decisions that I do every day. So, but at the end of the day, they cannot control me. And if they, they want, they can want me to do something, but I am going to do what I deem or what I think is the best for me based off of what I've learned from them. 
you know, I think a lot of people struggle with that is because, you know, their parents want them to do one thing, but they want to do something else, you know? And yeah, your parents know a lot more than you sometimes. And they they have been through a lot of things. They've experienced life and ex- experience is probably the best teacher in the world. But at the same time, you know, the world changes, the world grows. And if you want something, you got to go fucking get it. You can't go out here and be scared and not do it just because you are scared, right? I'm, I'm fucking still scared to this day. You know, how much shit can change in a matter of a second? How many things can fuck me up? Or how things could fail. Like, you could fail. That That's that's a fucking possibility. Um, but you can't go into it with that fucking mindset of, I'm going to fail. Or, I, you know, you got to go in here with the knowledge that, yes, things can fucking happen. But if you don't go after this shit, man, you're just going to fucking be old and regretful. And that, that's not what I want to be. I want to I wanna go to the end of my life and be happy that I took every chance that I could have. And I did everything that I wanted to do. Um, I don't know, I got a little, little hype at the end. Because, uh, I don't know, I, I think not enough people change their dreams, man. I don't, I don't think enough people do it. And I think it's a shame, you know? I don't, like, and don't get me wrong, not everybody is meant to do certain things. Not everybody is meant to go be a fighter. Not everybody's meant to be a basketball player. Not everybody's meant to be the president, to go do this, to do that, right? But, especially in this day and age, man, shit. Someone will pay for what the fuck you like to do. Some way, somehow through social media, through what, but you can find something. Um, And I say this, but we also do need garbage men. We do need everybody to contribute to society, but I I don't like the the whole notion of we have to teach our kids to just follow the fucking system, bro. That's, That's not what you should do. Like, are you completely happy in your life to the point where you think you had a perfect life? Are you? You know, I, I guarantee you everyone has dreams and I guarantee there's a lot of people who follow the fucking broken system who had dreams, but they just followed the system and they didn't go out there and fucking do what they wanted to do. At the end of the day, I want to, on my deathbed, I'm going out this world knowing I did everything I wanted to do. Whether I succeeded, whether I failed, I don't give a fuck, but I did everything that I wanted to do. Whether it's for the greater good, whether it's for me, whether it's for my family, whether it's for whoever it was for. You know, like sometimes we do stuff for other people, right? You know, but at the end of the day, I I fight for me. Why did I become a fighter? I became a fighter because I wanted to become a fighter. I did this because I wanted to do it. I dropped out of school because I wanted to drop out of school. You know, and I I look at it now and I, I... you know, I want to do, you know, there's a lot of things that I still want to do and I'm going to do because I want to do them, right? Now, as I get older, there's certain different perspectives that I look at, you know. Now, why why did I pick up fighting? Because of me. Why am I continuing to fight? Because of me. But there are also some other things that I fight for as well, right? I fight for a future for my future family, right? I want to be able to provide a, a, a great lifestyle for my family that I'm going to eventually have, you know? So, and I, I also want to fight to change this world, man. There's a lot of There's a lot of big dreams that I have that um, I have to be able to get through this one to be able to pursue and um, put these other ones into work. And we'll go over that in another episode. Maybe do like a dreamer episode. Um, that actually, that might be the next one. Probably call it next, next episode will be next week. That'll be the dreamers. We're going to go in here. We're going to talk about our dreams and talk about all the, other, all the dreams that I have and that I want to accomplish and talk about how I plan to do that and how I have 
planned out my dream. This one that I'm doing right now. I'm living this motherfucking dream right now. I don't even call it a dream anymore. I just call it goals because we just going out here. We achieving goals, man. But um, we're going to go over that a little bit more in another uh, another episode. That'll be the next one. We'll call that the Dreamers episode. Shout out to um, J. Cole and the whole Dreamville squad. <laughs> Revenge of the Dreamers. Um, but yeah, that was it for today, guys. I very much appreciate everyone showing up and showing out. If you guys made it all the way to the end, you're some real ones, guys. Go ahead and follow me on my social medias. Instagram is dmorrison underscore MMA. Twitter, dmorrison underscore MMA. You can also go ahead and go to my YouTube page, The Evolving Fighter. Um, I'll be back on YouTube eventually when I get myself a laptop, save up a little bit more money. And then um, you guys can also follow me on Facebook. It's just at dmorrison MMA, or you can look up Daniel Morrison. You'll find me there. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for um, joining me. This one was, uh, I'm not going to lie, this one was my best ramble I've gone on. Um, in the middle section, trying to kind of piece everything together. Um, but I'm, I'm getting used to this, and I'm just trying to get better and better every single day. If you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, you guys can hit me up in any social media you want to let me know. I appreciate all feedback, um, even if it's a little bit of criticism, right? I, I appreciate constructive criticism. That way I can kind of know what I need to get better at. But uh, appreciate you guys. We'll get guests on here soon, but we, we need to get acquainted with each other first before we start bringing on other motherfuckers, right? Y'all need to know who I am. Y'all need to have a nice little rapport with me so i appreciate you for coming on love everyone who showed up and showed out if you made it all the way to the end you are a real one peace out hope you guys have a great one we will see you on the next episode next week peace